0: You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Shopify grows your business no matter how far or big you grow. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Whether you're selling your fan's next favorite shirt or an exclusive piece of podcast merch, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash income, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash income now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in.
1: Hey, what's up, Vox and Hops heads? I'm Matt, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops podcast, brought to you by Sound Talent Media. I hope you guys have been having a great week. I most certainly have. This Vox and Hops episode is brought to you by Heavy Montreal. Heavy Montreal is one of Montreal's premier metal promoters. When there isn't a crippling global pandemic, they normally put on a bunch of sick metal shows throughout the year here in Montreal. But not only that, they also put on one of North America's best metal festivals, and when I say that, trust me, it's the truth, because I have played just about every metal festival out there, and Heavy Montreal is up there with the best of them. I am super, super stoked to have Heavy Montreal behind the Vox & Hops podcast. Today's episode is absolutely one for the books, because it is with a guest uh, who I started listening to when I started attempting harsh vocals. He was one of the first people that I tried to imitate, so this is a very cool moment for me to be able to sit down and have a chat with him. get ready people this is vox and hops episode number 214 with jesse leach of kill switch engage times of grace and the weapon
0: i warn you what you are about to hear is very disturbing indeed
1: Hey, what's up everybody? Today I'm with Jesse Leach, the vocalist of Killswitch Engage and Times of Grace. I am super, super stoked to be with you because uh, I have been a fan for a very, very, very long time. And uh, it's just cool. I'm stoked. So... Super easy, yet fun, yet complex question. I like to throw at people right at the beginning is, how have you been coping with this glorious year of 2020?
2: Oh, man. It's, uh yeah,
1: that's a good question. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm doing the best I can, honestly. You know, I, I just try to keep things in perspective that, you know, I've got it pretty good. It's been hard, but I, I know there's a lot of people that get a lot worse than I do. So I try to stay positive with that in mind. But uh, yeah, there are days where I don't want to get out of bed for sure and i would just binge watch and depressed for sure but on the whole i'm doing okay man
1: mm, awesome awesome me too as well at the beginning i was very depressed but then i just started just hitting the ground running with the podcast just trying to
2: that's great yeah yeah i'm getting my shit together uh with some stuff as well i'm um, not a podcast but just trying to stay active and creative and you know feel like i'm doing something that matters <laughs> <laughs>
1: Which is it's something that we do when we're on the road. We're, you know we're very involved yeah. in people's lives and and spreading a lot of positivity, and that's something that KillSwitch has always done, just being a very positive forward band.
2: Yeah, we're fortunate to to be able to keep doing what we're doing and have the fan base that we do, and it's yeah, I count my blessings daily with that stuff, you know, and I'd have to say back at you, I remember hearing Whisper Supremacy when I was younger. And me and my fellow bandmates sitting in front of the uh, CD player with our jaws on the ground. So um, much respect to you as well. Very cool. You definitely blaze a brutal and amazing technical trail in metal and change, well game changer for sure that record especially absolutely
1: and i agree with you with that mike Desalvo's vocals on it are just just so aggressive like a hungry bulldog i love it uh let's dance into craft beer because we have to because it's vox and hops um tell me about your very very first beer do you remember the first beer that you ever drank jesse
2: uh yeah i think it was a Michelob, uh and it was warm <laughs> I stole it from my dad's stash, and it was horrible, and I hated it. But uh, I don't know. I kept sneaking it.
1: <laughs> Fox and Hops is all about hanging out with my metal friends and talking about their lives, music, and craft beer. Uh, what beer do you have on your side there that you would like to share with me today?
2: So I've got two. I wanted to get a new one to try. Um, this is Steadfast Pale Ale, and it's out of New York, uh, which is where I live. So it's kind of a local thing. And then one of my favorite gluten free beers, and by the way, these are both gluten free because I can't drink gluten anymore, um, is a company called Ghost Fish Brewing Company. It's a grapefruit IPA. And this is this is about the closest you get to like a an actual good tasting <laughs> gluten free beer from the States. And this one is from Seattle, Washington. I love this mm-hmm. company. They're I awesome. I have
1: absolutely gone there actually, because it's it's oh, right really? around the corner from that 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 venue. In Seattle, I can't remember the name in the middle of nowhere, but it, me being a craft beer nerd, I hunted out all the closest craft beer places and it was seriously it was super close to that venue in Seattle. I wish I remembered the name. It's, it's that classic one right where, on where El Corazon, exactly. Maybe? No, no, yeah, no, yeah. I think you're right. No. Yeah, yeah. On my side, I'm drinking a homebrew which is uh, I something that it. I've never done on the podcast. I've enjoyed a few of these. This is actually from a Vox and Hops head, someone that comes to my Thirsty Thursday virtual hangs, uh, the great Stefan Dales, and he is also a podcaster. He's got a, a great podcast called Podcrastination that is actually just celebrating nice. his clever yeah, that's actually celebrated his 10th anniversary recently and he just he if he was here he'd say well i haven't been active the whole time but you know it is called podcastination after all so i'm going to crack this this is a wit style <laughs> saison clocks in at 4.7 percent also gluten-free so so let's wow. dance tell me all about being gluten-free and when you discovered it and 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 because i've never spoken to anybody about this so I'm, I'm very curious about what what happens and what what it feels like and everything about that
2: Ooh. Well, first of all, I'll say that this um, Steadfast is actually delicious. It's good. It doesn't blow my face off, but it's a really good beer. Tastes like a pale ale. Crazy. You never know. And I like, for me, uh, with gluten-free, it's the sorghum beers I really tend to like a lot. Um, so gluten-free is difficult. I grew up in a predominantly, I mean, I'm a mutt, but my family was predominantly eating Italian food. So I grew up with pasta. Pizza, and then obviously in my teenage years. I loved certain types of beer, um, and then I hit you know my late thirties, pushing into forties, and my body started to just reject um, beer. First of all, I noticed for sure you know, the next day I would totally get the shits and like just not feel good, and it turned into cramping. And then you know, I long story short, I went to about four or five doctors. I thought I was dying. Really? I kept getting, yeah, I kept getting rashes. I was getting canker sores, just bloated. My body was like not stoked. And after about four or five doctors, I went to this uh, Ayurvedic, um natural holistic doctor guy. And, you know, everyone else wanted to do surgery. They wanted to shove things up my butt. They just wanted to do all the things that Western medicine does. And this guy, he just kind of took my pulse and touched like, and was like, hey, try giving a, a gluten-free diet a shot for three or four days then come back and talk to me. And sure enough, by day two, I would, was flushing out and I just, my energy level started to return. Um, and then he told me, he's like, look, you know, this may not be a gluten thing. Cause a lot of the times, in especially here in the States, we got gliophosate all over our wheat and that's essentially a poison that they can use in battlefield. Wow. It's a terrible poison that they put all over our wheat products and in our fields um, so any contact with that causes all the reactions that I had. So that just got me to stop it altogether. Wow. And I lost a ton of weight. I lost some muscle mass, but I feel great. I have some, but much better energy. Um, so it's difficult cause you know, all the cool things that I love, like beer and pizza, for example, are like my two favorite things were, um, it's changed a lot cause gluten-free for the most part just doesn't hit the mark with bread and crust and stuff like that. So I'm more of a Mexican food guy now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Sticks at <with> the corn. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, I, I would be obviously be very sad if if I <laughs> couldn't indulge. Yeah, can you imagine not being able to drink beer anymore, dear? Uh, take from, from that Michelob. Uh, take me to the first beer that you did enjoy.
2: <laughs> Funny enough, and and it's it's gross, but you know, I was young. I was like sixteen. Um, I loved (laughs) Colt 45 malt liquor, man. (laughs) So that was the first beer that I actually would go out of my way to get, um, you know, and then it went, you know, party beers when you're young, you don't give a shit. But the first beer that really hit me where I was like, oh, uh, is a brew house out of, um, Providence, Rhode Island called Trinity brew house. And, uh, they've won awards for their IPA. It's decent. But um, one summer, the brewmaster put out a beer called a Caribbean Stout, which was like a chocolate Caribbean Stout. And I want to say it was 8 or 9%. It'll definitely knock you on your ass. But it was just so good. It was tasty. Like, I couldn't get enough of it. And uh, I was just going to that place, like, every other day just to get that before it ran out. And um, I'd say on a bigger, more commercial level, it was probably Dogfish Head... Um, IPA because at the time that was kind of the only real like craft beer I mean we're talking many many years ago late 90s you know into the early early 2000s so I'd have to my hats off to Trinity Brewer House and then um, Dogfish Head IPA the 60 minute and the 90 minute IPA were kind of my first like real beers outside of you know the the major mainstream stuff
1: very cool very cool i, I want to give a, a shout out to stefan for this uh homebrew it's absolutely delicious it's got like a little sweet tang to it just super crushable nice little wit saison that's still fermenting over here bubbling over
2: i love that man homebrew is the best i you know it. that's what i should do someday man yeah. i should put my mind to it and start homebrewing and what else am i doing these days <laughs> <laughs> but beer you know it's like especially in the summer when I'm doing yard work here, cause I had a, a decent sized yard at the place I live up here. A lot of trees. There's nothing like cracking a cold beer when you're done with like hard work or during, you know, when you're sweating and you're covered in leaves and dirt is nothing like cracking a cold it's beer. It's like finishing
1: that set too. I have such a cathartic moment. Oh yeah. Just cracking a, a nice, nice cold beer after a set. It's, it's so great. And we like look at each other, we all have it together and, and it's a, always a very, very nice moment that I love. I miss yeah, that
2: Yeah, yeah, I know that. That is great. Yeah, I wish I could share that with my bandmates. We all scatter like roaches because there's a lot of negativity. <laughs> when we get up stage. There's a gr- there's a, a a group of us that critique, which is not me, and then there's a couple of us that are like, "Hey, good show," and like you're in a good mood. So really? yeah, we'll usually split oh, up. Really? Yeah, we usually split up, and I, yeah, there's always the guy or two that's like. Mm. So, yeah, yeah,
1: well, that's the dumb one. Anytime <laughs> there's a mistake, my guitarist, he's the producer of the band. He he
0: <laughs> producer's, yeah, producer here. He we all know I'm exactly talking about. Exactly
1: what happened and what went wrong. You missed this one thing and I'm like, yeah. Okay, but I had fun, right?
2: <laughs> yeah, and the audience was great and like knock it off. It's live music. Shit happens.
1: I It, should, but no, it should, I'm should be the same human. way. It should it should be organic it's like you wait all day for that
2: one hour hour and a half like the least you can do is like have a good time and be positive about it. even if it wasn't a perfect show just mm, especially
1: up. just now <laughs> with with being at home for so long i wish that i enjoyed myself more i wish i wasn't so just locked in and focused on the performance and i actually enjoyed myself out there
2: yeah it's funny i uh you know i had to go through a whole roller coaster uh with my voice because i had surgery and i had polyps and I was abusing myself. I was partying too much. And um, prior to that, I always like would get nervous and focus so hardcore on my performance. Then once I got the surgery and went into actual like vocal training, learning how to even speak (laughs) properly, like all those things, learning techniques that helped me continue to do my screams because I don't do the fry technique. I do the full on old school scream. But with the techniques I learned from Melissa Cross, I can do it at a half. Like, I don't have to push as hard because it comes from a different place now. And that was so liberating, not only because, you know, I wasn't damaging my voice, but I didn't really have to focus on it anymore. So I focused more on, like, making icons with the audience, like having fun looking at my band members. So the last, like, I want to say, since our Iron Maiden tour, we opened for Iron Maiden in, uh, was it two thousand. 16, 17, It's hard to remember. Two thousand eighteen. I don't remember. <laughs> the surgery was in twenty eighteen. Oh, this guy knows. All right, so yeah. <laughs> so that same year is when I actually feel like I finally figured out how to do hmm. this. After like doing this since I, you know, my first show is when I was fourteen years old. I'm forty two wow. now. Um, so I feel like I finally hit my stride in my forties, which is hysterical. But you're right. Like being able to be present when you're performing is amazing and it's a luxury for some people it's, it's hard
1: it's because it's we're, we're so especially vocal i don't know if i'm speaking as a vocalist we sort of go into something different to to put that show on as as an extreme front man it's 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 a, it's yeah. like a something that's deep inside me that comes out and i sort of have to harness it and i've spoken to other vocalists yeah, a, and, and they they don't even remember what happened during the show because they're just focused
2: Yeah, because you you know, you're navigating the voice, you're making sure it's placed properly, you're making sure, oh, here's that part coming up where I Mm -hmm. do that long high scream, like all those things occupy your brain space. It's funny too, because you know, as you know, I'm sure like your brain goes other places too. Like the last couple songs, I'm thinking about that pizza in the dressing room (laughs) or like whatever, like you know, the the video game I want to play in my bunk later, just dumb (laughs) stuff goes through your line. that's when you're able to kind of like go on autopilot and that's what i'm really careful of for me personally is like when you're playing the same songs over and over again trying to not go into autopilot uh especially for the ones that we play like every single Mm -hmm. night you know because kill switch has got those few songs like the howard jones era songs that you know end of heartache my curse that we can't not play you know so like my brain's just like ah, this song (laughs) (laughs) But if I stay, if I stay present and I focus on the audience and I see how much fun they're having, that's kind of like what keeps me present to it. That's true. It's
1: it's an excellent, excellent point because they're not playing it every night.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And these people, you know, I'm reminded like these people got babysitters, you know, got spending their hard earned money, you know, or whatever. So that's, that definitely stays in the back of my mind because this music thing isn't about one person. It's not about the band. It's about everybody involved, that reciprocation. And that's the thing I miss most during this quarantine whole like thing is that seeing people and seeing people enjoy what I do and then being able to meet them after the show or like see them at a bar later and have a conversation about music and why it means so much to us. Like I miss that shit more. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. Uh, you brought it up earlier than I wanted to, but... Uh your, your vocal surgery. I know as a vocalist, I would have been terrified that that whole moment leading up to when you realized that you had to get a surgery, take me through those yeah. days being on stage. Cause I know you guys had to cancel some shows even, um, yeah, those shows. Yeah. And I, I know for myself when I don't feel like I'm a hundred percent, those shows for me are a nightmare. So, so what, what was your mindset throughout all of that?
2: Yeah. You know, for better, for worse, um, the nightmare was drowned out by alcohol mm. that was my way to cope and it was like that for a while because what would happen and i th- i want to say the first time i remember it happening was at the paramount in la we had just played a sold out oh. show and the crowd was incredible and i you know when your energy is like your adrenaline's going you tend to push and you got to be really careful whether you're a drummer or a or a vocalist especially that push can be really fucking dangerous. And I was pushing, I was feeling it. I was like, this is fucking awesome. I got off stage and I immediately went in the bathroom and I was like, something's not right. Like I could, I felt, I felt something off and it wasn't the usual, like oh, I'm fatigued and I hocked a loogie and it was. Wow. That's blood so scary. Red, like just blood. I spit blood. And then as I'm in there, they're like, are you all right? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah I'm fine. And then I hocked a, a dark, loogie like dark so it was like internally like i was i was not okay but i carried such guilt from quitting kill switch in 2002 and then rejoining in 2012 the last thing in the world i want to do is cancel shows you know be a burden so i just wrote out, wow. and i didn't talk for the next day next two days and the blood didn't show up we ended the tour next tour so every once in a while this blood would just come up and I'd pretend like I couldn't see it, or I would just drink tequila and numb it and be like, we'll get through this, we'll get through this. On my days off, I didn't talk to anyone. Like I was just hyper, hyper resting, thinking that I could compensate. And then, yeah, it just got to the point where we're in the studio, and I was singing a line from one of the songs on Atonement, and Adam, our producer, was like, dude, you can hit this note. I've heard you hit this note thousands of times. You're not hitting it. You're flat, you're sharp, you're flat. We've been at this for a half hour. This is ridiculous. Something's wrong. wrong. And that led me to fly home from San Diego in the studio, cancel the rest of the sessions and go to my doctor and the doctor for the first time in my life. Cause I've been going to this guy religiously for, you know, five or six years. And he's like, you got to be careful. And he would put me on pregnazone and like fix me up and I would be good. And I would go out for another tour and I'd damage it. So it was a, it wow. was coming. I knew in the back of my mind it was coming. And he looked at me and was like, I've, I've never seen you this bad. This is bad. I want to, um, put you on vocal rest. So pretty much I was on vocal rest for about three months in total. Wow. I went and I couldn't speak to anyone. I had to carry on a notepad. And uh yeah, when they see that it wasn't healing after a few weeks, they uh, referred me to a surgeon and he looked at my voice and he's like, your voice looks to me like an 80 year olds neck skin when they crouch Jesus down. Like, it's, it's, it's bad. He's like, I can't even guarantee you that you're going to be able to continue doing what you do. It's that bad. He's like, we can do the surgery. Um, but I can't guarantee you're gonna be able to do what you do anymore and I recommend that you don't do what you wow. do anymore if you continue this shit. So yeah, it was like not being able to talk or vent that experience and then like carrying it with me like a monk, uh, which was very eye opening. I realized how many people just talk <laughs> for no fucking reason. <laughs> And I also realized certain people that I just kind of didn't need to be around anymore. I I really went through some shit. (laughs) That's horrible. And I also realized the power of the voice and like what a gift we have to be able to even just tell someone that I love you, you know, like little things like that. So I got on this whole weird monk thing. So when the voice came back, finally, I said my first word and I started my rehabilitation after the surgery. It was like, this is fucking amazing. I can still do this. And that first show back was in Tallinn, Estonia, opening up for Iron Maiden in front of 11,000 people. And I did vibrato for the first time in my career. And I started hitting notes. And I remember Adam, who is one of the guys that complains (laughs) all the time, was like, dude, you did vibrato. Dude, you did good. Holy shit. You're hitting like these notes that you don't really hit. You weren't sharp. You weren't flat. Like, wow. So that was it. And the rest of the Iron Maiden tour, I was on top of the fucking world. Wow.
1: It's that I, that whole moment from, from when the doctor said, I don't even know if it's going to come back. Yeah. That must've been just the worst months.
2: Yeah. It was definitely hard, but you know, I got to that point where I was like, you know what? Worst case scenario, I, I go do bartending and you know, I, I produce people. I, you know, I just started thinking on that level, like, what would I do? What are the things I've been putting off? Um, and beer making is actually, <laughs> I was well, going to say, see, I'm, 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 I'm actually ashamed. I haven't even started that. It was either that or distilling. Cause I love, um, I love rum and tequila mm-hmm. as well. But, um, yeah, it was a journey, man. And, um, now I can, you know, once I'm properly warmed up in show mode, I can go for a good couple hours in the studio and I'm fine. As long as I just do my warm ups, my warm downs, I'm like careful of how I do it. I rest, I drink water. I don't party. I don't talk at loud bars. Like, I do all the things now, and I'm so grateful to be able to still do it. You, you must
1: just cherish it now, just just absolutely. Love I do. It. So that's why, like you
2: know, I even got back into gaming um, at you know the age of like 39. I started playing Zelda um, Breath of the Wild because it helped me stay in my bunk. So after the show, I would you know eat my my meal and prop myself up on pillows, with a good <laughs> little singer, and drink my water, and I might have a glass of wine or something. That you know, so I'm not, I'm not partying on show days. And, uh, I play my video game and just get tired and go to bed and like, it was such a game changer. I'd wake up the next morning and, and I don't usually do a ton of sound checks. I started doing sound checks and feeling good about it. And like, it gave me this whole other level of confidence and yeah. So it's been a couple of years of just being really stoked that I can still do this shit.
1: Good. I'm so happy on everything that I've heard, uh, live videos, everything. You're just killing it, killing it. So, so, so good. Thanks, man.
2: So forgive me because I did mention whisper supremacy. So what, at what mark did you come in?
1: When did I came in Cryptopsy in two thousand and seven? Okay, yeah. Okay, got gotcha, you, yeah. man. So so the the unspoken king the was my first album with. Cryptopsy. That's a great fucking
2: record too, man. All hails. Oh, cool. Yeah, I uh, yeah. I am, um, I'm in the same boat with the, the singer thing, you know, people always talk about the band and people will reference songs I didn't write.
1: I'm like, or albums. I'm like, cool. Yeah. I'm glad to take it. <laughs> no, no, but I, I see Cryptopsy as, as a, you know, they, they, they've written classic albums, you know, and I can yeah. say that cause I wasn't on them, but <laughs> I know that they've, they've influenced many, many, many waves of musicians. So I don't mind yeah. whatsoever at all.
2: Yeah. I'm the same thing with the, you know, I, I, Howard just brought this band to a whole other level. And, uh, because of him, I have a career,
1: so I really can't <laughs> complain either. I do remember. I do remember when he came in. I was wary at first because I was such yeah. such a fan uh, of Alive and Just. Oh, breathing. thank you.
2: Yeah, we're very different. That's crazy because you know people compare us all the time, but it's like it's that's a really hard comparison because he's such a huge, bold vocalist with a very polished sound, and I'm sort of the. Well, I'm I've gotten better, but I'm kind of the the raspy, you know, hardcore rodent over here, like just spilling my guts with everything I say. So I don't know. It's uh, I respect the legacy, you know, just like you're saying. Like to me, I'm honored to even be a part of this incredible band, you know, regardless of uh, if it's the type of music I even listen to, which I don't, <laughs> admittedly. I'm I'm very much more of a hardcore punk sort of. Um, I love grindcore. I love uh, death metal. Um, like, if you would ask me, like. My favorite metal bands off the top of my head, I'm like at the gates, entombed, you know, carcass, like, you know, grave. Like, that's the school of metal that I'm like, re- like, that's the shit that got me into it. And lately I've been revisiting my roots too. Um uh, listening to a lot of old Gothic death metal, like Paradise yes. Lost and My Dying Bride and Edge of Sanity. And uh, because of my love and my outward love on social media, people have been recommending me bands. And my recent obsession is a band called Catatonia, which Absolutely. Uh, a lot of people told yeah. me. I am like, I can't stop listening to them. They're
1: so fucking good, man. <laughs> yeah, that new record's amazing. Yeah.
2: But like metalcore and like the genre that we're put in, like, I don't care for it. <laughs> wow. I don't, I, I legitimately don't care for it. I love to write it. I love to perform it. But there's really no, the only one band I would say that I can kind of get into that I'm like, oh yeah, is 36 Crazy Fist. And the only reason why is I think they're so unique. Mm-hmm. I feel like they're underrated, and, like, Brock's voice is weird, but I love it. It's just an odd band. But, yeah, it's funny when you're in a, a band in a genre that you're like, meh,
1: I don't really care about the genre. <laughs> well, the touring must be fun, you know? You know, you like the humans that you're touring with, but you're not love. there for the music of it.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well, to me, I've always been a message-driven person. Like, that's why I still do this shit. Like, honestly... um, I think the message of unity and love and, you know, all the, the, the corny things that I'm, I'm known for, um, I stand by them and I feel like that's an important thing, especially nowadays with all the division <laughs> yeah. and all the, the hate, you know, as much as I love negative music, like I hate God is one of my favorite bands of all time. And that's just like, you know, negative grimy, like I love it, but like my spirit and what the message I'm here to like, I think that I'm here to to send to people. It's like, we got to love each other more. There's got to be like change, positivity sticking together. Like, And I wanted to inject that metal because it just felt like it was lacking when Killswitch started. It wasn't a really prevalent thing in the metal scene
1: so no just pure especially coming from a death metal background for myself yeah. just writing just the most gruesome things where where if i read it to my wife and she hates it i know it's good
2: yeah but that's <laughs> you know but that's why it's good and the, mm-hmm. and that's why we love rock and roll metal because it shocked and your parents didn't like it and it's funny because i <laughs> i grew up in a hard, hardcore roots and I, my parents were always just like shaking their head and then you know, when Killswitch got, its, got going and we had uh, our debut record, my parents were like, okay, it's still kind of hardcore. Then my dad started hearing, like, the positive stuff, and both my parents started to like my band. They, I was like, oh, that's fucking weird. <laughs> Never mind. Never,
1: uh, my band is lame now. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. But that's when
2: I had a career, so I don't know to
1: <laughs> It beats bar well, where, where did that come from, though? Where did, where did the positivity come from? Or, where, where are you just a genuinely positive person?
2: Um, No, and especially nowadays, I'm definitely a lot grumpier than ever. But uh, (laughs) I think my upbringing, it's it's odd because I've really sort of like torn away from how I was raised. And I've, I like to use the word, I've um, deprogrammed myself, but I was raised in a Christian home. Um, in the kind of Christian where like Iron Maiden was banned. Like I couldn't listen to Iron oh, wow. Maiden. That's a was whole it the art, Was it the artwork? Yeah. And just the number of the beast was the record. I have a funny story behind that one too. Cause I was actually able to talk to Bruce Dickinson about that particular <laughs> about subject. Yeah. <laughs> and it got back to my dad. So there was a message messages exchanged <laughs> between my dad and Bruce Dickinson, which is awesome. But, um, so I was raised under a very strict, strict, you know, and then the 1980s where I grew up. Um, in the Midwest during this time of like discovering music, it was the devil's music, no matter what. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were calling Mm -hmm. Journey and like Van Hant, like they were just grasping for anything, saying it was devil's music. Um, But that made my brother and I like want to listen to it even more. So, um, you know, long story short, as my parents grew and as we grew and we forced our personalities and I forced who I was, I discovered who I was, they started to loosen up a bit. And uh, thankfully, my father uh, became a professor for many years at a university. And that sort of really opened his eyes to some of the hypocrisy and um, the the hate speak that comes from a lot of extremist religions. So, um, yeah, it's ingrained in me as far as the way I was raised that my parents raised me, which was to love thy neighbor, the whole love thy neighbor thing stuck with me. And it became a, uh, a way that I try to be. I think kindness is severely underrated as a strength. And I think I agree. that, and I think that um, I'm kind of a warrior for it now. And I do blame my parents for that, but I also just from my life experience, you know, growing up in um, sort of a punk hardcore community, there was a lot of positive influence there with bands like the Bad Brains, the PMA, Positive Mental Attitude. And, you know, I love the Clash and the Clash were about social you know, awareness and social justice. So I kind of latched onto that whole thing through hardcore and hardcore kind of became my new religion as a teenager. And it was definitely at the altar of you know, the bad brains, chrome sick of it all, very positive, uplifting, like think about it type bands. And that's just kind of where I'm cut from. So I think it's a mixture of my folks and then just hardcore punk ethos that stuck with me.
1: Very cool. Very cool. I want to talk about uh, Cigar City making a Killswitch beer.
2: Oh man, that was so good too. Uh, that's
1: a great great name too of course alive or just brewing the american ipa yeah 7.2 percent i think something yeah. like that yeah i uh I, I
2: we drank through those so quick man because i didn't make a bunch <laughs> it was like a, a really small run of beer and i want to say we consumed the band consumed most of it um adam,
1: how, did that all, how did that all come together yeah
2: so so adam D our guitar player slash producer, like kind of the heart and soul of, of the band for better or for worse for some people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he's a genius. He's a actual genius, but, um, he is a massive, massive beer guy. Like probably the biggest beer snob I've ever met in my life. And, um, they approached him about it and he like, okayed it. And from that they were actually going to continue on, but there was a lot of miscommunication, but, um, Yeah, it's all Adam D. And then since that time, Adam has been, every time I would see him the past year or so in tour, every time I would see him, he had a book about brewing in his hand. So that dude is actually like hardcore studying. He's up next. And he's planning on, yeah, that's like, I think that's his backup plan for life is becoming the total beer snob that he is. And he's like one of those guys that will drink IPAs that will like make your mouth pucker. Like he loves like, the west coast
1: like hoppy 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 ipas that speaking, is correct
2: speaking of which i'm gonna crack this uh, grapefruit IPA. Yeah, yeah
1: um I've, I've had adam on the podcast before and he he did tell me that that he enjoys the west coast more than the haze craze that's going on
2: yeah and he's like a snob about it like he, he <laughs> he'll like i'll be drinking a beer with him back when i could drink beer and he'll just be like man tastes syrupy i'm like wow this is so good he's like no it's not good <laughs> Then I'll try the shit that he likes, and I'm like, God damn, dude!
1: The bitter, bitter. Yeah, just like <laughs>
2: meh. the one beer I miss more than anything is sour beers. Though I would say sour beers were my favorite for a while there, and I know that went through a little bit of a phase. I'm not sure where that is in the in the beer. It's uh,
1: still super super happening. Uh, the the blended barrel aged sours. I miss totally that shit, happening. man. So good, but there, there's there's some gluten free up there for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm for sure, for kinda, sure I'm still kind of like because for a
2: while I just didn't even care about beer. I just stopped. Caring about it and and switched over to like rum and uh, and tequila and and which was dangerous and and all in itself. But uh, yeah, I'm only just recently this. I would even say just this past summer taking it seriously where I'm trying to like seek out good gluten free beer. So
1: it'd be really cool to to make a new kill switch collab, but make it a gluten free brew so that you can enjoy it as well.
2: Uh, I'd love that, man. <clears throat> Maybe I'll have to take that on my own shoulders to to do that because I'm like I was saying earlier, like sorghum beer has kind of become my favorite it's just got this like maltiness to it that i love um
1: i yeah awesome well what what style brew would you want to make and what would you call it
2: oh man shit i don't know i ain't even thought about this shit
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: i'd love to do a sour beer because a, a sour um gluten-free beer would be great um maybe even a blueberry sour because a, a friend mm. of mine actually who owns a brewery called proclamation um it's in Rhode Island. That guy, he was the kind of guy that would come to the party with his homebrew and have people try it. And he did a blueberry IPA when he was really young in his early phases. And that blew my mind. I thought it was incredibly delicious. Now he's like, his he went from like homebrew to like huge. He's got a huge factory now in, in Rhode Island and he's doing great. But yeah, so that was the first blueberry beer I ever had that I liked that wasn't too sweet. Because I feel like blueberry beers, you can either hit or miss. I don't like anything too sweet. It drives me nuts. So maybe a blueberry sour. And what would I call it? No, I'm not that clever. I don't I have to think about it. <laughs> I'd have to sit with it.
1: If it was a kill switch one, though. Yeah, let me think. I don't know. Let it brew. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> brew, brew on the idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I am very lucky that I get to do these interviews and leading up to them, doing the prep work, uh, wondering if uh, the artist is actually going to connect. How is that?
2: This is, all right, so this uh, grapefruit IPA from Ghostfish is one of my favorites. And awesome. I love them. It yeah. tastes like it an great.
1: actual IPA. Like It makes
2: me like happy because it feels like I'm not gluten-free at the moment. <laughs> I love this beer. Love, love, love it.
1: Very cool. Uh, wondering if the artist is going to connect. I get that little vibe that I get before stepping on stage. The the I that's how I fill my void. Oh, I love it because you. Yeah, you. Oh, uh, yeah, because you care though. That's good though. <laughs> you have to care. So yeah. how, how do you fill the void of not being able to tour, not getting onto that stage, not getting that feeling? What have you been doing?
2: Yeah, it's pretty much all exercise based, which is why I'm so skinny these days. Um hi, I so I live in the Catskill Mountains. I live in Woodstock, New York. So I'm in the heart. I actually live in a park, the Catskill cool. National Park. So for me it's hiking, kayaking, getting on my bike, um taking psychedelic mushrooms and big huge fires. <laughs> <Sounds> <laughs> in my like backyard. That's kind of my thing that gets me going and and the mushrooms too aren't just for fun. That's actually my medicine. I microdose for my anxiety and depression and it's a it's a wonderful medicine if you uh know what you're doing it's great mm. so those are kind of my my go-tos for sure and i've got an extremely supportive and amazing woman by my side so um she helps me out a lot too she's uh also very highly uh intuitive because she comes from a crazy place and has mental illness as well so we're actually good for each other it's not like a you know, some situations with that, when people are both crazy, it's not, it doesn't work. We're actually really supportive of each other. So
1: all hails to her as well. She's great. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially during this time when we're actually home so long.
2: Yeah. It's been, it's taken our relationship to a whole other level. I gotta be honest with you. Like my world is shit professionally right now. Cause I'm not doing anything, but my personal life is the best it's ever been. So I'm stoked because of that. That is one of the benefits of being home and like settling into like a home routine. It's, it's been nice
1: especially you guys, you guys are out so often for so long Yeah, for many, many years in a row. It's, it's probably the longest you've ever been home. Yeah. Besides, you know, from, aside from your break from the band.
2: I'll be honest with you as hard as it's been, there have been moments where I, you know, cause I can look out my front window here and see deer, bear, raccoon, wow. coyote, fox, like we're in the park. So there are moments where I was watching autumn come on. And it was just, I mean, I would get teary. I'd be like, this is fucking beautiful. Cause I'm so not used to sitting still. It became very meditative to like get up in the middle of the night and look at the stars. Cause you can see the Milky way above my house like wow. at night. So the little things like, you know, like that have been incredible. And I definitely will remember that when I'm back out on the road and I'm tired and I want to complain, <laughs> I'll remember this year, if nothing else, uh, try to pull the positive out of it. And that's definitely part of it.
1: You mentioned working out. Are you keeping vocally in shape? I guess you have to. You know what's funny? I haven't for a long, I actually took a good
2: solid three month hiatus, like just, yeah, nothing, which was nice because I've been getting back into the routine and I just did vocals for, you know, done a few paid gigs for, for bands that I admire and like, they've asked me to, and I've accepted and I've worked on some secret projects and Getting back into it now is just like, it's fun. I was screaming the other night and like in my living room, just like, yeah, this feels really good. Uh, And I actually have a punk band called The Weapon. So I've been writing a lot of punk rock stuff, uh, which is more of a yelling vibe. And man, yelling is fun. I want to do more
1: of that shit.
2: (laughs) You know, it's the difference between, you know, you know, growling and singing and then, you know, shouting and yelling like the yelling Mm -hmm. I'm doing. It's just, it's so satisfying. And it's coming from a really cool spot. Where I can do it for hours. So I've been really enjoying demoing new weapon and Yeah, it's it's cool, man. I mean I I miss performance like a motherfucker, but still being able to do this kind of shit and has been fun. I've been writing electronic music too, just and ambient music and industrial. Just I take my creativity and just filter it into like anything I can to like and maybe that's part of it too. Maybe that's part of me staying sane, is just writing like anything. outside of the uh, genre of
1: kill switch is really fun (laughs) it is it is because it's you know you have to you have to get that out you got you got to stay creative it can't stay inside you no just make you explode just make you explode (laughs) and
2: then we have um a new times of grace record in the bag uh which i'm proud to say is not metalcore at all we've definitely turned the corner with that project and become more of a artistic sounding band um mixing rock blues alternative uh, post metal, I don't know whatever they call that. So a lot of effects on the guitars. And...
1: <laughs> I love post metal. <laughs> oh yeah, so
2: like it's it's definitely more of the creative vibe. So times of grace has been really nice to to have in the back pocket, and I'm super proud of what Adam and I did. It's a totally different style from what Times of Grace is known for and, and 100% from
1: what Switch is known for. So that's another That's thing. amazing. That's amazing. But there, you know, having two bands that sound exactly the same is pointless. So.
2: It's boring, yeah. And I think with the first Times of Grace release, people compared it because it was similar and it was the two of us doing it. But the few songs on that last record, The Hymn of Broken Man, that were different, we embraced that. We're like, all right, we want to do more bluesy acoustic. We want to do more post-metal. We want to do more straight-up rock Un-, un unapologetically just do a rock song. So it's fun, man. It's so fun to just step out of the genre and just do whatever you feel.
1: Yeah, and not feel like trapped or limited. Yeah. When, exactly. when you're writing it, Cause, cause I can, I can see that.
2: Yeah. With kill switch, there's like, you know, a lot of resistance. I push, they push back and trying to stay within the, I don't even want to use the word confines, but it does feel confining sometimes of our sound. I've been the guy pushing constantly to like, oh, let's do something a little different. And the guy's are like,
1: yeah, but mm, fans. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> fans. Uh. <laughs> How about, have you guys discussed, have you done, I, I I tried to find it to see if it did happen. I'm sorry if it did. Uh, a live stream. Is that something that Killswitch is interested in?
2: Yeah, we've talked about it a lot. And there was a lot of debate in the beginning about, you know, if we're able to do it, how would we do it where we would feel comfortable? And I think initially there was a lot of guys who were just like, we can't do what we do on stage on a <laughs> live stream. So it's kind of pointless. And uh, I think we finally turned the corner as of like the past week of like, okay, at some point we're going to do this soon. And I'm actually, you know, in retrospect glad we waited because everybody's doing it for example. And uh, I like the fact that we've kind of waited. So now when we do do it, we're going to approach it a very different way. So mm-hmm. you can see what everyone
1: else did. That'll be in the
2: 2022, uh, 21 rather, but um it'll be worth the wait for our fans. I think
1: very cool. Very cool. So you, you can see what everyone else did and and you can see what mistakes they made and you guys can yeah, and also, make it better.
2: <laughs> I feel like the, the more bands are doing it, the cooler it's getting. I've seen bands like, uh, Oh, what the hell is the name of that band that did it recently? Ah, oh, it's going to drive me nuts. But They took the Zoom idea and put their fans on a Zoom around. Yeah, it was super
1: dupe. It was a Metallica, though.
2: No, well, maybe Metallica did, but there was a smaller band that did it recently. It was the first time I saw it, and I was like, wow. So maybe they did take it from Metallica. uh, Or maybe
1: Metallica took it from that. Yeah, maybe, but I I was like, wow, that's
2: a really cool idea. Very cool. So yeah, we'll we'll see. But uh, yeah, that talk has happened, and it's something we are eventually going to do.
1: Awesome. One last question. It probably doesn't happen to you because you're you're working out a lot. Uh you, you are very well working,
2: working out, but yeah. You know, I don't I don't go to a gym. <laughs> I'm not a gym rat or anything. I'm a nature a hippie punk, you know, <laughs> cyclist guy. But yeah, go ahead. What is your hangover cure? It's funny because I had one today. Um yeah, I I drank three margaritas back to back and I was at a friend's bar. We were you know, all socially distancing, but uh it was like we, things might shut down again here in New York. So we were like p- p- kind of partying last night and I woke up feeling like hell. Um, so I just usually make the greasiest thing I can find. With my diet, is is really tough to, to get greasy because I don't really have a lot of animal products that I eat. But um, yeah, I did like, uh, like um, what the hell? We had like a a really fatty coconut soup, which I know people are probably gonna laugh at that, but made it really spicy. And then um, I had a good, solid coffee with chocolate. So caffeine really helps and then tons and tons of water. And then, so eat fatty stuff, drink all the fluids and then go back to bed (laughs) and then wake up and drink beer.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love it. See that. That's, that's, that sounds perfect to me. (laughs) Jesse, thank you so, so much for taking some time to sit down with me, talk about your life, music, and of course, craft beer. I greatly, greatly appreciate it. And, uh, I'm super stoked to see that live stream, hear that new Times of Grace, hear the new The Weapon. Lots of cool stuff going on. I love it.
2: Cheers. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. Cheers to you, man.
1: Hey, thank you all so, so much for listening right to the end. You know that I love and appreciate that. What an awesome human. I had such an excellent time hanging out with Jesse, and I hope that he had just as much fun as I did. As I mentioned, I've been a fan for quite some time, so this was very, very cool, and I was very excited about it, and I was not disappointed in the least. If you enjoyed this Vox and Hops episode, you should most definitely go and subscribe to it on the podcast platform of your choice, but not only that, you should take the time to rate it and write a review, because if you do that, more people just like yourself will be able to discover the Vox and Hops podcast. Vox and Hops is brought to you by Sound Telemedia. I have one more episode coming at you this Friday. But until then, remember to enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. Cheers, Vox and Hopsheads.
0: This